The True Crime Society podcast contains adult themes and violence and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of True Crime Society Podcast with Stephanie and Olivia. It is Thursday, May 18th right now. Um, I did make it back from my bachelorette party. Um, thank you for all of your warnings about staying away from the water. But you guys should know, <laughs> since I'm a female, like, I'm all good. You don't need to pee in the rivers. <laughs> yeah, I actually didn't really go too near the water. I mean, I guess I did. I took a picture in front of the water, but I wasn't like, I couldn't fall in from where I was. How did you go with all your shorts? I've seen lots of shorts recommendations coming into the Instagram. Oh my god, yeah, everyone. Just to share the recommendations because I complained <laughs> about it last episode. Um, everyone's saying the Abercrombie Curve Love is the way to go. I've I've always heard that they have really good quality jeans and stuff, and I always think about buying them, but I just I haven't committed yet. I usually wear Express. You've got all of summer. You've got plenty of time to try them out. Yeah, I mean for jeans, I like Express, but. Shorts, I've been getting lots of wrecks for Abercrombie. We'll see. I'll buy a pair. See how you um, go. Yeah, so I didn't wear any shorts, actually, when I was there. I I brought some, but then I was, like, in the car for a long time, so I didn't want to, like, wear tight shorts in the car, so I just wore my jeans. And I don't know, jeans were just the vibe, so. How, how was the weather? Because you were talking about might be hot, might be cold. The, Packing challenge. The day that we got there was like hot that's when i was like in the like 80s and then saturday when we were like outside walking around a lot near like the faneuil hall area it was in like the mid 70s so it was acceptable to wear like jeans and not die <laughs> but it was it was literally like perfect weather it was so nice and then oh, the, we went to the rooftop at night and uh it was like a good temp we had a fire pit thing where our, our table was and like the fire pit was almost hot so it was good though Worked All out my well. outfits were great. The cowboy boots were great. And I was so hungover Sunday. I tried to make myself throw up and I couldn't. I just wanted to freaking die. Because mm. we drank, like Saturday, we drank like all day. Like we took breaks, but we went to Sam Adams first. And then we walked over to Night Shift, which is another brewery. We had some drinks food there. Then we went back to the hotel and like got ready for dinner and stuff and had some more drinks while we got ready <laughs> then we went to dinner and then we went to the rooftop but i like browned out a little towards the end like i remember going back and everything but there's definitely some parts of the night where i was like oh yeah that happened and like <laughs> oh yeah that happened you don't remember till later You're like, oh my god it's all coming yeah. back to me now and it's not like i blacked out or like totally forgot anything but there's parts where you re- it comes back to you like a distant a bit memory fuzzy. <laughs> yeah I remember we got back. I wanted so bad to like order Domino's because I was starving and we were trying to order Domino's. My sister was less drunk than me and my friend. She was like, they don't deliver here. I just looked. But I was like, I don't believe you. But I was like, too drunk. <laughs> I remember trying to like type it in. and I just like couldn't even fucking do it. And then I fell asleep. You probably felt better anyway for not eating it. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe having food in my stomach would have helped. But... <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. And we posted like the buy the bride a drink thing and a lot of people from like tcs and the podcast sent me little 
drinks and cute messages, which was like so nice. I, some of the messages made me so happy. I literally could have cried. Like someone was like, thank you for bringing joy to my life. And I was like, oh. what? <laughs> me That's talking so about nice. murder? I feel like everyone's being extra nice at the moment. I don't know, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> it must be due for a turn soon. But everyone seems to have been lovely. I think Mercury like just came out of retrograde <laughs> or something. But don't worry, someone will call me a dumb bitch soon. So yeah, you do for me back it. down to earth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially with the the names we got in the episode we're recording next. Yeah. But yeah, I'm very grateful for everyone. Thanks so much for that. I had a lot of fun. Probably could have used some less drinks, but... (laughs) (laughs) Always a good time. Yeah. What about you? What's been going on? Not too much. Just kind of same old. It's my birthday coming up in about 10 days here. So Mm -hmm. this weekend is like the start of my... I don't really ever do anything for my birthday, but this is like a big birthday. So the start of my birthday events. (laughs) So I've got a dinner tonight with some friends and then Joe, my husband and I are going to the city tomorrow for a night alone, which we never really ever do. So that'll be nice. Yeah, it's fun. Are you Mm. coming here like right after your birthday? Yeah, two days after. I can never remember. Two days after. So my birthday's on a Monday this year, which I think Monday birthdays always suck. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I was like, why can't I just be one day earlier on a Sunday? That would be a lot better. But yeah, Monday is my birthday and then I fly out on the Wednesday morning. Nice. Very quick turnaround. But yeah, other than that, not too much else really. We're kind of in the depths of winter. So lots of, you know, fires and jumpers. And my, for Mother's Day the other day, I got this amazing like wearable blanket. So I've that. been wearing it to bed. It's lovely. Like it's actually... Well, yeah, because we here they call them woodies. I don't know. Do you have woodies? I think there? they sell them here too. It's just basically. I think it's it's the same thing as a snuggie. It's like a wearable hooded oh, actually, blanket. The, the one I have is a comfy. Oh, okay. Which is more like the sweatshirt. It's more like what you have. What you're talking about. What's a snuggie? I think that one's more blankety. Where like the comfy that I have, it's like thicker and like almost like a sweatshirt. See, mine is like on the inside. It's got like fleece, like yeah, like yeah. the comfy I has has like sherpa on the inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's been lovely. I've been wearing that to bed. I've been very cozy and warm. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it doesn't even get that cold there. <laughs> no, it's not. And when I like, yeah, it's not that cold. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I guess it's cold for us. It's always it's all about what you're used, used to. to. I'm just looking up now what the actual Fahrenheit is. I can never do the con- me neither off of my head. So here it's going to be a high of. 70 <laughs> but a low of 40 45 on saturday oh, it's pretty it's sh- cold though yeah between that's where i that's so where i live is kind of in a valley which does get colder than like if you drive for five minutes i'll just look it up what it is it's a lot warmer at some 40s is definitely cold yeah see if you drive five minutes the low is 52 yeah. so in the valley it's a lot colder yeah it's colder than i would have guessed i would have guessed the lows being like mid 50s it's a pleasant cold though. Like it's still so nice during the day and the weather's been actually amazing. Like hardly any rain, beautiful sunny days and warm, but yeah, a bit colder at night. Yeah. I'm actually going back to Boston this weekend. Oh, what for? I'm seeing Blink-182 on Sunday oh, in Boston. I was thinking the other day that must be coming up soon. Yeah, back to back. <laughs> it's the same as me. I was in Sydney, Sydney last weekend as well. So two weekends in a row. Yeah, I'm going to get there and be like, bet you thought you've seen the last of me. <laughs> I'm back. How many nights are you staying this time? That'll be good. Just the, the concert's on Sunday, so we're only staying Sunday because the hotels, as soon as like it was yeah, said that the concert so was going to be there, they all like tripled in price. And I was like, I'm just, I was already there. Like my wedding is coming up. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I might look at like hotels tonight to on like Saturday see if there's any last minute deals or something. See if there's like a deal. 
I checked today just to see, and like the lowest one was still three hundred dollars. Mm. So it's crazy. Well, that'll be good. Yeah, so we'll probably just go up early on Sunday, go to the places we like, and then go to the concert. Very good. Another chance to fall in the water, but <laughs> are you going with Micah? Get yeah. him to stay away from the water. Oh yeah, I'm <laughs> sure he doesn't fall in. <laughs> um. All right. So guess we'll go on with it. Yep. So today. We are going to talk about Bo Mann and Corey Richens. They are both pretty current ones. I guess Bo's been going on for a bit, but it's had a recent big update that we talked about a bit in the Gannon episode that just came out. And also, fuck that episode because it ruined my life for two days. (laughs) (laughs) Like, cursed. Absolutely cursed. I cried editing that episode. But it all turned out okay in the end. And we got there in the end. (laughs) I just want everyone to know when they listen, I suffered. <laughs> I feel like sometimes there's just episodes where it all goes wrong, like yeah, the recording there was definitely doesn't work properly. And yeah, yeah. I, don't I think like, it was, the recording I cut out or it. something like that. And yeah, it was just a whole bunch of mess. It kept going wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, we talked about Bo briefly in that one and a bunch of people are like, I don't even know that story or why I want to know all the deets. So we're going to talk about it. Olivia knows a ton about that one. So <laughs> I feel I think I said in the last episode, there's some cases that just really stick with you. And Bo's case is one of those for me. So I have followed it fairly closely. You love a mysterious, like unsolved missing person. Mm, yeah. Missing person is my forte. <laughs> I know it's bad I to get, say, but. Yeah. No, I know. you. Like I am interested in them as well. But I, with ones like Bo or reminds me a little of David Gibson Smith. Like I just get yeah. agitated when there's no answer in the end. Yeah. Um. That's what we're going to talk about today. Um, I guess we'll start with Corey, the order. We're going to yep. talk about Corey Richens as well. That one is a newer one that information is coming out about, but it was very headline worthy. So I feel like it made a lot of news outlets because this is the one about a woman who wrote her husband died and she wrote a children's book about grief and to help kids deal with like a loss. And then turns out she um, murdered her husband and poisoned him. It's basically a bit of a mirror image to the dentist, Dr. James Craig, one that we did recently too, where he poisoned his wife to death and kind of pretended that he didn't. So Yeah, he just didn't turn it into profit like she did. I think he would have tried if he had had more than five minutes after she died. Yeah, she definitely immediately was like, how can I profit off of this now? Mm. All right, so we'll start with that one. This morning, a Utah widow who authored a children's book about how to cope with grief following the death of her husband is now accused of murdering him. My husband passed away unexpectedly last year. He was 39. It completely took us all by shock. Authorities arresting Corey Richens, a mother of three this week, and charging her with first-degree aggravated murder. Investigators say in early March of last year, Corey poisoned her husband, Eric. The 33-year-old then telling 911 she found her husband of nine years lying unresponsive and cold to the touch at the foot of their bed, saying she had given him a Moscow Mule cocktail earlier to celebrate a business deal before falling asleep in one of their children's beds. A medical examiner later finding Eric had five times the lethal dosage of fentanyl in his system. According to a search warrant, Eric had told a friend just weeks earlier he suspected his wife was trying to poison him when he fell ill after a Valentine's Day date. The warrant claiming Eric broke into hives and couldn't breathe, eventually having to use his son's EpiPen and Benadryl before passing out for several hours. 
So this is going to be the murder of Eric Richens. He is from a very prominent Utah family. This is the Richens family is one of the oldest and largest in Summit County, Utah. A notable member was Sheldon Richens, for whom Summit County's Richens Building in Kimball Junction is named after. Um, I Whenever there's a commentary like that, I just automatically think of the Murdochs. Yeah, they seem like a very old money, well-known family in the area. I think it's so weird that people still talk like that as if it's some like game of thrones family <laughs> lineage it's like you're in utah what are you talking about <laughs> i don't know it's just weird to me um so eric was born on may 13th 1982 oh his birthday just passed in bountiful utah to gene and linda richens he had two sisters named katie and amy and this information about him comes from his obituary but it gives a lot of background into his life and all that so it says Starts off being born into the Richens legacy, shaped Eric's formative years and resulted in a lifetime of hard work, dedication and fierce loyalty. Being the eldest was a dubious task, but he was up for the challenge and led and loved his sisters fiercely. At an early age, Eric learned the joys of keeping horses and cows around. He spent countless hours helping his dad work the ranch, hauling hay, feeding the animals and new fences. He loved his family unconditionally and was a devoted son brother and uncle eric was a family man who always strove to be the absolute best father and husband he was an attentive loving father to his three sons carter ashton and weston and a devoted husband to the love of his life and wife of nine years Corey richens i wonder if i'll edit I bet that, they now. Regret that now eric did absolutely everything in his power to provide for his family and to brett to provide his family with every possible opportunity to learn grow and have fun Growing up, he was a serious athlete, loved all sports, whether it was watching them or playing them. He was involved in cross-country, basketball, baseball, soccer. He was also a coach or assistant coach to all his boys' teams and spent countless hours coaching and teaching the boys to play aggressive and give it their all. Eric truly cared about every single child he coached and wanted the absolute best for all of them. Oh, wow, there's more. <laughs> Eric was an avid outdoorsman. And dedicated hunter, he was an excellent archer and marksman and had multiple trophy animals from all around the world, including Africa, Mexico, Canada, and the United States. When I read his obituary, I, like, I found it a little bit weird, insufferable, really. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's a bit bit of a humble brag, like even a bit about the trophy animals. Yeah, that's why I was like, okay, not trying to talk shit about the victim, but he's not the one who wrote it, so... I would love to know. Maybe even Corey wrote it, you know, because Eric's mother died in 2018, I believe it is, and her obituary is quite normal. It just lists, you know. Well, she is a writer. Like two paragraphs. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if Corey actually did write this, especially the bit about the Richens' legacy. I feel like that, that was the first probably part. come from someone outside of the family, like surely maybe. I yeah. don't know. If she wrote it, then we're allowed to eye roll at it. <laughs> yeah, the Richens, I didn't say anything about it because I already commented how I thought it was weird, but that was very, like, ick to me. Yeah. Eric and his wife, Corey, had been together for over a decade at the time of his death. A woman named Linda King told the media how Corey met Eric while she was working as a Home Depot cashier. Um, she said, I said to go over there and check out with her, you know. So they did, and they ended up having a date. From then on, they were like glued to each other. It was perfect, I thought. On the night of March 3rd, 2022, Corey Corey said that they were celebrating a new home purchase. According to the probable cause document, Corey made Eric a Moscow mule and took it to their bedroom around 9 p.m. where he drank it while in bed. An article by 
KPCW also says that he had a shot of alcohol in a THC gummy. So before we move on with the story, we just want to talk a little bit about this home purchase. KPCW says the house was a $2 million purchase, but we feel like that might be wrong. I, well, I, now that I've read more into it, I actually feel that she probably did pay $2 million. For some reason, I cannot find the sale price anywhere for this house um, when she bought it. But I'm pretty sure now, based on what I've read, she did buy it for $2 million and she was planning to sell it for a lot more. Yes, so I, when I, that was like, I can't believe that she got it for such a bargain, essentially, based on what she was trying to sell it for. So the house, it looks kind of like, it's a very grand house. I don't know if I'd call it a mansion, maybe, maybe it is, I don't know, but it's got like a turret window, like it, it's very, it is a very grand house. It would have been amazing if it was ever finished. Oh yeah, so it was like someone started building it and then they were like, I don't have enough money. Wow, it's really nice though. Yeah, it would be beautiful. It's like a castle. I feel like this house that they bought was quite infamous in their area. Um, there's a lot of articles about it. There's one that kind of lists the features of the house and talks about the history. It says that basically the house was initially valued at $7.6 million. It has eight bedrooms, 12 bathrooms, two kitchens, a swimming pool, a golf simulator, and a rock climbing wall. Um, and then it kind of goes into who bought it, which was obviously Corey and Eric. It says the 10-acre property was purchased by a young couple in January 2022, after spending nearly two years on the market, the couple had intended to finish construction and move into the home until the husband unexpectedly passed away shortly after closing the sale. Understandably, the current owner, now widowed, has been preoccupied for obvious reasons. She has relisted the house for an for sale at an asking price of 4.75. So that's without doing any work to the house. So she's essentially already. Yeah. So I think she did end up selling it, or it's just been sold for I think 3.75. So still a very tidy profit from I'd love to know the story of who was building this house and why they stopped building it. Yeah. Well, I did read, which is kind of random, and I tried to find more information, that there was a man named Doug Roylentz um, who was trying to build the house, and he stopped building it when there was an unattended death at the house. So I'm Mm. assuming maybe someone... I don't we'll know. Have to research. Died in an accident. Like it was, I guess it was essentially abandoned. So, but it, it was finished enough, I think, that you could probably live in it if you were looking to, you know, do you know what I mean? Like if you were homeless or if you. It was finished like enough I, that they like had was, a rock wall in a golf simulator. Well, I think that was going to be <laughs> what was in there. I don't think that was actually in there. But even like, I, I'm assuming maybe someone might have been squatting in there if it was just empty for a long time. That, that was what my thinking about this unattended death was, but I haven't been able to find mm-hmm. too much. If anyone local knows, tell us. Yeah, let us tell know. us gossip. Um, so Corey alleges that she went to bed that night in their children's bedroom, and she woke up around three a.m. and headed to her own bed. At this point, she realized that Eric was cold and not breathing, and she called nine one one. When fire and EMS arrived, Corey told them she'd been doing CPR on Eric, but they thought that was unlikely due to the amount of blood coming from his mouth. When they asked her where Eric's medications were, Corey said she didn't know because the maids just put the medications in random places. Police looked at Corey's story and her phone records. She told them initially that when she went to sleep in the children's bedroom, she left her phone plugged in next to her own bed and didn't take it with her. However, in the time between sleeping with the kids and calling 911, her phone was unlocked and locked multiple times and there was movement recorded on the phone. Messages were also sent and received during this time period, and those were all deleted. Oh, it's a red flag. Eric was declared dead and an autopsy was conducted. The levels of fentanyl found in his system were more than five times the lethal dosage. 
the medical examiner determined that the fentanyl was illicit and not medical grade. Following an investigation of Eric's gastric fluid contents, the medical examiner determined that the fentanyl was ingested orally. It's crazy what they can tell. Yeah, I guess how it's yeah basically digested and where it's absorbed yeah. in the body. Like I know, like cancer patients, they have it as a patch that goes through your skin. Yeah. Police seized Corey's phone and computers from the house for investigation. Once they downloaded her data, they found communication between her and a person listed in the probable cause documents as CL. CL has a police record, multiple accounts of possession of a controlled substance with intent to distribute, etc. So we can assume they are some type of drug dealer. Um, when detectives interviewed CL, they were told that Corey contacted them at some point between December 2021 and February 2022 to ask for some prescription at pain medication. Corey said the medication was for an investor with a back injury. CL gave Corey some hydrocodone pills a few days later. And Corey told CL to leave the pills at a house that she was flipping. And she owned this property at that time. Corey contacted CL a few weeks later and said her investor wanted something stronger, some of that Michael Jackson stuff. Corey specifically asked for fentanyl. CL contacted a dealer and managed to get 15 to 30 fentanyl pills, which Corey paid $900 for on February 11th, 2022. I feel like someone's asking for fentanyl pills, like, off the market, like just call 911 immediately. <laughs> um, on Valentine's Day that year, February 14th, Eric and Corey had dinner at their home. Shortly after their dinner, Eric became very sick. He told a friend that he thought Corey was trying to poison him. He broke out in hives and couldn't breathe. He passed out and had to use his son's EpiPen and take Benadryl. Corey got another $900 worth of pills from CL around two weeks later. These pills were left at a home she owned around February 26th. And Eric died from a fentanyl overdose on March 4th, 2022. So just a few days later. After Eric died, police interviewed his family. One of his sisters told police about an incident that occurred while he was on vacation in Greece a few years earlier. Corey had given him a drink that made him violently ill. Eric told his sisters that he believed Corey had tried to kill him. So this is two failed attempts already. Like if I ever yeah. tell my family that I feel like Mike or whoever is trying to kill me, someone fucking do something and not just be like, ah. If, you, if you're that worried about someone, it's crazy. Especially Eric's case. That's that why I'm like, he stuck around. I, we were saying with like the dentist one where, and I think with a lot of abused women, not to sound sexist, I guess, or biased in some way, with a lot of abused women, it's hard for them to leave because they're scared and sometimes they don't really have the means to. Like a lot of times yeah. they stay at home, don't have a job, take care of the kids or you know, they have to like prepare. But in this situation, especially, I, I mean, I don't totally know Eric's circumstances, but it seems like his family is a, uh, what was it, prominent and could maybe yeah. have, it's not like he wouldn't have any money or any place to go. My theory on this is that he probably did think that there was something going on, but he didn't want to give Corey any of the money. So he was trying to line it up so that she wouldn't get anything rather yeah. than just, you know, like doing it all properly so he would have it, have his finances. That's covered. true. So it seems like as we go on in the story, I was yeah. also thinking maybe, I don't know if like where they live in Utah oh. can be a very like religious area, I feel like. I don't know if maybe the stigma of he didn't want to like put that information out there. If he was like too ashamed yeah, kind well. of, just like a social type thing, especially if he's from some prominent family like they probably try to hide scandal or something i don't know but it does seem like he was definitely trying to get the finances in order so she didn't get shit so 
Police also looked into Eric's life insurance situation. He had held a joint policy with his business partner, Cody Wright. Their business was called C&E Stonemasonry. Around a month before his death in January 2022, Corey logged into the policy. She changed the policy and removed each of the men as each other's beneficiary, and she named herself as the policy's only beneficiary. The insurance company notified the men of the change, and they changed it back. So it's like, if you didn't think she was trying to kill you then, you should definitely <laughs> think it now. It's so, oh, like, I just would love to know her thought process. Like, did she really think, especially because there was an external party on this policy, did she really think that no one was ever going to find yeah, out? Yeah, and just, I will... Did he just like not say anything to her? It, I would have, mm. it would take so much willpower for me to not be like, bitch. It sounds like there's a lot of back and forth um, because after this, he did change his will and took Corey out of it essentially. So um, yeah, I get that, that. That also leads to me, me to believe he was being very calculating about his moves financially. If, and if I really thought she was trying to kill me and had already tried to maybe poison me and make me sick, I would not be taking any food or drinks from this bitch. No. I would get my own, no matter how lazy I was feeling. <laughs> a nice drink in bed? No thanks. No, no. Sounds nice, but I'd rather not. <laughs> yeah, I'll get my own. Mm. Thank you very much. Or you have to be like, you take a sip first. Yeah, <laughs> you drink it first. <laughs> um. So after this, Eric changed the beneficiary of his will and his power of attorney from Corey to his sister. A warrant states he didn't tell Corey about the change because according to his sisters, he believed Corey might kill him for the money and wanted their kids to be financially secure. An investigator wrote in the warrant, while investigating the death, I was told by Eric's family member that they suspected his wife had something to do with this. They advised he warned them that if anything happened to him, she was to blame. Warrants allege he was planning to file for divorce, but he died before any proceedings began. Corey learned on March 5th, after Eric's death, that she'd been cut from the will. The warrant in this case says that Corey assaulted Eric's sister, who showed up at the home. The warrant said up until that point, according to family, Corey had no idea she'd been replaced in the will and Eric's sister was put in charge of his estate, including the home, which made her financially unstable. On March 28th, a few weeks after Eric's death, Corey sued Eric's sister for control over the estate. She claims their prenuptial agreement entitles her to the money, family, home and other assets. Eric's sister's response to Corey's lawsuit mentions a pending homicide case. It remains to be seen how a criminal case will affect the civil proceedings, but Utah does have a so-called slayer statute, which prevents killers from profiting from their crimes, which she technically would be. More information also emerged about the house purchase they were celebrating. She wanted to buy it and flip it, like we mentioned before, but Eric thought it was too expensive, and he had told family members that he was going to tell Corey that they weren't buying the house. It seems that's a bit unusual to me. Like It seems like a very quick turnaround between that and when she closed on the house, like, I don't know, I'm guessing that maybe the timeline wasn't as condensed as that. This this kind of debate between them had been going on for a little while, but yeah. it just seems like basically he died then the next day she closed on the house. Yeah, maybe like he didn't want to and she talked him into it and he was like, eh, I'm divorcing her anyways. In March 2023, Corey, so this is just to be clear, this is a year later, March, because when I read it the first time, I was like, damn, she banged out a book in a month. Um, <laughs> so in March 2023, Corey published a children's book about grief titled Are You With Me? She set up an interview with a news agency, KPCW, to promote the book, which she said was designed to offer comfort and solace to young minds. Eric can be seen on the cover with angel wings and a halo watching over their youngest child while they grow up. She told KPCW in April that 
Are You With Me was inspired by her own kids. She said, you know, is dad with us? Because they're going through the sadness of knowing he's not here presently. During the interview, she disclosed plans to publish sequels. The next title in the works was Mom, How Far Away Is Heaven? As well as a book for young girls struggling with grief and husbands who lose their wives. I don't know how she could even be an expert for a husband who's lost a wife. Fair enough, a wife that lost a husband. I don't really think she's qualified to write a book for husbands. That's why, and like, is it going to be another picture book? Because I can't see the husbands wanting to read that. <laughs> um, there's also, she was posting about it in Facebook groups. There's a Facebook group called Children's Picture Book Writers and Illustrators. And she put a screenshot, like a picture of the cover of the book. It says, hey, everyone, please delete if not allowed. I lost my husband unexpectedly last year. And we have three amazing young boys. As I was trying to find books for my kids that would help comfort them at nights, I really couldn't find anything. So I wrote my own and it just came out this week on Amazon. Search Are You With Me by Corey D. Richens. If anyone has young kids or knows someone that has lost a parent or a loved one, I hope this book brings them a little comfort and peace. Heart, heart. Um, on Friday, May 5th, Corey made the following Facebook post. It's um, a photo of them together at a football game and she wrote life is just so damn hard without you here the cards i have been dealt seems like a game that just can't be played hashtag please come home eric it's just funny the timing like it was literally she obviously i think knew that this might have all been happening and was about to happen to her so this was like a last ditch thing and because when i looked at her her facebook the post has been taken down but there was nothing else like her facebook was really closed up but she made this post public for, I'm guessing, PR purposes. Yeah, like she would never do that. Um, on Monday, May 8th, 2023, Corey was arrested and charged with one first-degree felony count of aggravated murder, as well as three second-degree felony counts of possession with intent to distribute a controlled substance. Judge Richard Mrazik scheduled a detention hearing for May 19th. and so tomorrow. Just- Oh yes, yeah. Just we might have to, to put a clip. Sorry to keep interrupting, but we might have to put a clip in if something happens with it. But it seems like this is going to be a slow-moving case. She's well, I think it's only been two weeks, but yeah, she's due in court tomorrow apparently. So we will update if anything comes of that. Yeah, we'll put a clip or something. But I feel like probably nothing major will happen. But we'll see. And uh, Corey's book is no longer being sold on Amazon. Which I did is look good. it up before they pulled it. She, it did get quite good reviews, but I feel essentially. Like, I don't know, I don't want to upset anyone, but I feel like a book like that, anyone could write if they were living gonna, that experience. Like, it was a picture book I was just going to say, someone swoop in and <laughs> yeah. take that place now. Like, it's not like she wrote a novel on grief. It was probably a few hundred words max, like, like you know. And she, do, she essentially did have experience with that because her children were living that. Um, yeah. No, I agree. I think it's... A good I- idea, especially if there's not a ton out there, like it would be nice to have a book about that. Um, so, yeah, like someone out there who has connections to children's book publishing, get on that, take that spot. There has been, so when I had looked just to make sure there was no kind of updates, there is a new article out today that does speak about the money issues that they were kind of happy having. It says they got married in 2013, but by 2016, she was allegedly stealing money from Eric and borrowing large sums on his credit cards. In 2020, he discovered that she had borrowed $250,000 using a fake power of attorney and forging his initials on documents. Eric confronted her and she admitted stealing the funds. 
And she also allegedly stole $80,000 earmarked for Eric's taxes, as well as at least $54,000 for his state taxes. And there's more money that has yet to be discovered. I wonder what she was doing with it all. Yeah, like I have read that she was a house flipper. So maybe it was all going into that. I like don't know. Like she's putting but... it into the houses, but then like not making as much of a profit. Yeah, I'm not sure. But anyway, so it does sound like things weren't great in their marriage. There's also rumors of an affair. Um, but. Yeah. I have a lot of questions about this one still, or more just a lot of nosiness, because there was a whole year went by between the murder and them investigating it and when she was actually arrested. I feel like she was probably doing some dumb shit, like Googling dumb stuff, texting dumb stuff. I want to know what she was doing. Yeah, me too. She's, yeah, and I feel like she just seems arrogant and cocky as well. Like, I can contact this drug dealer, get these drugs, no one's ever going to know, and then... Her Google searches are going to be Mexican drug cartel phone number. <laughs> a criminal willing to go to jail for me. <laughs> yeah. Full face transplant to hide. Crazy. So I feel like they will probably come down hard on her. Um, that's just my gut feeling, which so they should. But do you know what I mean? I don't think that she will get off lightly with this one. Yeah, no, she seems like a dick. Yeah. One last thing. I always think it's crazy how people who... She was being investigated already for the murder, but how people commit a crime, think they're getting away with it, but then they do something very attention-seeking, like, you know, she writes this book, she's out doing interviews, where if they weren't investigating this, wouldn't it be best to just lay low? I think that about the Chrisleys all the time, or any other reality stars who were doing, like, tax fraud and all this stuff, where they were doing it before they were on a show, and then they go on a show, and then they're like, ah! How did people notice we've been committing tax fraud for so long? It's like, you have a fucking reality show now, and now everyone knows who you are. It's like, why didn't you just lay low? Yeah, and keep, you know, don't put yourself in the spotlight. Yeah. it's um. Someone sent us on our Instagram an ad, a realtor ad that Query had before she did all this, I guess. It's kind of interesting to me because her website was krichensrealty.com. But her email is krichensrealty at gmail.com. I always feel like a Gmail is a bit of a red flag. So I have a Gmail. No, but for a business. I have a Gmail oh, okay. too, but I mean for a business. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, like it's a, not their domain. No, it's just, anyway, that was just, that's not what I was mainly talking about, but I just thought that was interesting. So no, it goes I, in, I know what you mean. She's got a photo of herself and a photo of like a really nice house. It says, I'm a Camus native, born and raised in a local area. I specialize in representing my clients in the purchase and sale of single family residences. I truly love this area and pride myself on the knowledge of current transactions, school districts, neighborhood information, and related services. And then it goes on and on. And then the tagline for her ad, which is now ironic, stop searching, start living. <laughs> Dumbass. Yeah. Well, we shall see what happens. Yeah. All right, on to the next. The latest chapter in this ongoing mystery began behind this abandoned Santa Monica Boulevard building some two weeks ago when skeletal remains were found in a courtyard. Just Monday, the coroner revealed the remains were positively identified as Bowman through the use of dental records, the cause of death under investigation. Not what I wanted to happen. It is what it is. So glad that I have the identification so that we can actually begin the grieving process now. His mother, Amy, in Texas, desperate to know what happened. According to police, man then 39, was last seen in November of 2021, getting into an Uber at this Studio City 7-Eleven en route to a location on Berkeley Street in Santa Monica, less than a mile from where the body would be found. 
En route, he texted 911. Apparently never connected with police when they called back. Is there any way to know what that 911 call was about? No, sir. And that's one of the many unanswered questions. That's correct. And no one's been able to shed any light on that. No, sir. Since then, despite widespread publicity, especially on social media, nothing on what happened to Bo Mann. The private investigator hired by the family concluded an overdose was likely what killed him. How his body got here, unknown. Back in February 2022, we brought you the case of missing person Bo Man. We did a joint episode for Bo and Heidi Plank, who were both missing in LA. Heidi is still missing as of today, May 2023. Um, Crazy. Yeah, Bo was last seen in November. Just as a recap, Bo was last seen in November 2021 in LA. He apparently sent a 911 text while in an Uber and he was never seen again. At the time that we reported, there was actually very little information. I remember that's why we had to do a joint episode because there just wasn't enough out there that we could, that, you know, we could report on for Bo. There was a few articles and we kind of tried to gather what we could. But over the past year, there's a lot more information that has come out. Bo's remains were found in LA on April 25th, 2023. So just under a month ago, they were found. So we'll run through what we've learned since our first episode for Bo. So kind of as an update to his case, just as a quick refresher, if you remember, Bo founded the app SoberGrid, which is kind of like Facebook essentially for people who struggle with their sobriety. So you can log on, find someone in the area close to you, you know, like basically it's just a tool that can help people to stay sober. We know that in the past, and we knew this at the time, that Bo had struggled with addiction. We did think that Bo was in recovery, I guess, and that he was doing well and he was sober. The Vanished podcast, though, did a big four-part episode on Bo recently, and they interviewed a lot of his friends and family. I know you sent me some stuff that you'd read on Reddit as well, where people who knew Bo at the time have come out, and it's basically emerged that Bo was likely struggling with his sobriety at the time. According to that podcast, Bo had 11 phone numbers at one point, which you don't really need 11 phone numbers unless you've got something maybe a bit dodgy going on or do you know what I mean? Like, I've, I've had one phone number yeah. forever, maybe yeah. two, and I just can't remember. But like I've had this number that I have now since high school. <laughs> yeah. So that like I feel like that indicates that he was possibly leading a secret life, which has come out, you know, and... And I also know that at the time people thought Bo might have, like now I know anyway, that people thought Bo might have relapsed and they didn't want to put kind of all his dirty laundry out there. But now that they know that he isn't coming back, a lot more has come out about what is likely happened to him. Yeah. So a man named James Terry was hired by Bo's family to look into the case. And this information about Bo's situation at the time is from him. It says, according to James, Bo's lifestyle was at best an open secret and more realistically just something people knew even if they didn't talk about it. He said that Bo had continued to use drugs despite claims that he had kicked the habit. There is evidence that a known drug dealer visited Bo's home in the days before he went missing and that Bo's behavior on the day he disappeared is indicative of his habits while using drugs. So we know that Bo got in the Uber on the day that he vanished. We now know that he also probably made several stops. There's a really comprehensive timeline from the Mercury News that I've kind of used as a basis for a timeline for the day that he vanished. On November 30, 2021, Bo spent the morning in Brentwood where he lived. He told his partner Jason, who lived in another state, that his car hasn't been working or wasn't working and that he'd been using Uber to get around. So Bo's Uber and Derbat card activity put him at locations on Skid Row. So I'm pretty sure everyone is familiar what Skid Row is, but it's an area of LA with a lot of crime, drugs, homelessness. Um, so I guess 
what reason would he need to be there? I guess now we can surmise he was probably there for a drug-related reason. He also went to a location in North Hollywood. I believe the North Hollywood location was a massage parlor. I don't know too much more about that. Again, you know, this is just kind of seems like unusual behavior for Bo. At around 2 p.m., Bo got in the Uber that took him to the 7-Eleven in Studio City. So we spoke about this in the last episode. He was seen with his bag and it had, I think, laptop and he, you know, everything spilled out. Like it was like, almost like he was a little bit frantic at the time. He was seen on CCTV there. He bought a drink and some ice, which people also question is weird. Like what was he, where was he taking the bag of ice? And there's been a few questions yeah, and about that. Yeah, where did it go? Well, his, I have heard that his mother said apparently he really liked icing all these drinks and the ice thing in his apartment wasn't working. But anyway, uh-huh. I don't know, it's just a weird, a weird detail. So he left the store at around 2.06 p.m. James Terry spoke about Bo's behavior and those purchases. He said he had some paranoia when he did drugs. He would buy massive amounts of cleaning supplies. You go to 7-Eleven, what are we going to get? Gas, cigarettes, we might get snacks. But Bo was buying cleaning supplies and wipes, which we didn't know that before. And that was indicative indicative of his history of being paranoid when he was on drugs. So I believe it was in The Vanished, they mentioned that Bo, the drug that Bo used most often was meth. And when he was on meth, he would believe that basically the only way to get any traces of it off him was to be wet. So he would shower clothed he would turn taps on in the apartment he said that like apartments had been flooded in the past just based on this kind of behavior that he exhibited when he was on meth interesting so Bo got into the same uber that took him to the store at 2 19 p.m the 9 11 text was sent from Bo's phone a santa monica police po- spokesperson said at the time that the text was gibberish which it actually wasn't it was coherent but it just had no context didn't yeah it didn't like make sense yeah so the text own. i've had i've read there's two options for what I've read the text said. One is, I am taking a trip with Uber Gray. And the other one said, uh, t- like, just take, like, it's just basically plus or minus a few words. But the con- the concept of the text was that he was in a Gray Uber. 911 operators tried twice to contact Bo, but there was no response. The Uber driver said that he let Bo out of the car at 2.35 p.m., so around 15 minutes after he got in it, on Berkeley Street in Santa Monica. So when we first recorded, it had been reported that the Uber driver said he dropped Bo at his home. Bo's mother, we know, looked through CCTV of Bo's neighborhood and he was never seen returning. So that all seemed kind of mysterious. But now it makes sense that he wasn't seen there because he was actually dropped off in Santa Monica. I was wondering if he maybe told the Uber driver this was his home. Like, yeah, I'm just going home now. Like, I don't know, maybe they had a conversation Probably. about it. That could be an explanation for it. Or, I don't know. You know, we never know. The Uber driver m- driver might might end up being involved, but I thought that could be a reason for why it was initially reported that way. Yeah. So the person who lived at or near the address where Bo was dropped off is a woman named Joanna Good. Um, as more information began to emerge that this was Bo's final destination, people started to look into this woman. She had a very big online presence. She ran some, I think it's a Scarface Facebook group that had ninety thousand members. Like she's got a very you know, her Facebook is wide open. It still is there if you want to go and have a look. But she must have got a wind that people were looking for her. And she joined a Facebook group, started for Bo, and she started posting in there. Um, the post is still up. She wrote, what would you like to know? His current status or what happened on that day? Was I a witness to all to where I'm keeping the body? And someone wrote, this is a mis- missing persons case. Who said anything about a body? And she said, I did. Um, and then she goes on and she goes, talks about like people are questioning her character. She said, understand my character now, heartless and pathetic. So she was basically going back and forth, maybe taunting these people in the group a little bit. 
Um, but she we basically- said before, ne- never a good look. Yeah. So I think she was being, she was trying to be facetious in terms of, you know, the body thing and all that. And she basically denied ever knowing Bo and ever having anything to do with Bo. So interestingly and kind of frustratingly, Joanna died this year in January 20, 2023 at age 53. So very young. She had spoke openly in the past about her own struggles with addiction. Her cause of death is pending with the Los Angeles Medical Examiner. I know a lot of people are like, that's so weird. What's the hold up? It's actually not that weird for LA. They are very, very, very backlogged. Six months minimum. Like there's some that we haven't seen returned from 2022, some death. So I feel like that's just a standard investigation. Yeah. There is a gym near Joanna's house that Bo had also been known to use. And it's kind of speculated that that is another reason why he may have been in the area. I, I personally don't think so. I think Joe is a key to this. So on April 25th this year, a homeless person- Yeah, he's not getting- Sorry. He's not getting a bag of ice and going to the gym. Yeah, exactly. And not taking all his- <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I, Computers. I, and- I think that the gym was there was just coincidence on this day. Yeah. So on April 25th this year, 2023, a homeless person apparently lifted up a mat on an abandoned property and discovered human remains. So this property is 0.2 miles from Joe Good's house where he was allegedly dropped off in the Uber. There's a map online on the blog. You can have a look and see the distance. Very, very close. Initial reports did say that Bo was found in Joe's yard, but I don't think that's true. I do think it was just, you know, a little, little while away from her house. So the remains were initially listed as a John Doe in the medical examiner system. Bo had to be identified by dental records, which I think gives you an idea as to how long he'd probably been there. Shockingly, the medical examiner seems to have made the record public and searchable as and like so public and searchable as being Bowman before his family were informed. They did make a press release and it said on April 25th, 2023, the Santa Monica Police Department received information that human remains were found in the courtyard of an abandoned property in the 2900 block of Santa Monica Boulevard. The LA County coroner took possession of the remains and are currently working to determine the cause of death. The coroner positively identified those remains on May 6th as Bowman. Bo was last seen on November 30, and it just goes into if anyone has any information to contact police. Someone online went to the area and took photos of where Bo was found. It's kind of like a boarded up, um, looks like maybe what would have been a house at one point or like a set of small apartment. It just looks like a friggin' dump. Yeah. I have, like, there is another thing I like, and I think a lot of it is speculation. Like, I did see another photo online, like, this is exactly where it was found. We don't know. Like, I, I can't see a mat there, so I'm assuming the mat was hopefully taken for examination. But there's some rubbish, some trash, lots of graffiti. Everything's boarded up. Um, it just looks like a shitty, like, back alley yeah. type thing. So many people have said basically how did no one smell anything, which I know is a bit graphic, but it's in a residential area surrounded by houses, surrounded by million-dollar houses as well. Like this is just one, you know, one. I think that what the plan is is to knock this eventually down and build apartments there. But a local who is in the area said that it always smells bad around there because I guess people dump their trash and maybe it's used as a toilet. Do you know what I mean? Like it's a lot of bad smells. And if he was covered by this mat, for example, that would have masked a lot of the real, like a lot well, of the smell. Yeah. I also want to know, like, what kind of mat was it yeah. buried at all? Is it a heavy mat? Is it a doormat? What What is a mat? It doesn't sound like, from what I have read, it doesn't sound like he was buried. I feel like he was just left there, or he is like a maybe like a tarp. Yeah, maybe. I, like for me, so I feel like, like a it's heavy like something heavy. It was like a heavy gym mat, like mm. that could cover the smell, probably. Yeah. 
So that is kind of it for what we know in terms of what happens to Bo- what happened to Bo. Essentially, we don't really know much more. We just know now that he has passed away. His cause of death is still pending with the med- medical examiner too. I wonder if they will even be able to determine how he died. If it was drug-related, can they still determine that? Maybe. I don't know. But we will update you once we do here. I just wanted to touch on some theories now that we know that Bo is deceased. A lot of people seem to think that the Uber driver could have done something. I thought uh, early on they said that he like wasn't involved or something of a different one. I, I do no no. I feel like the police have said that they spoke to him, but I also feel like the police have done a pretty shitty job on this. So a lot of people True. have questioned was like and I like I think it was in the Vanished. There's been a few podcasts on Bo, but I think it was in the Vanished where they said basically the Uber driver after he picked up Bo went and was seen cleaning out his Uber, which I don't think is particularly unusual. But also that that he didn't drive again for days after, which he was a very regular Uber driver. I believe he's been driving since 2016 and he's still driving to this day. So like seems kind of coincidental, but um, like it very well could be. I, I feel probably not. But one kind of theory that I do have about the 911 text. So Uber have a feature where you're going on there if you're in trouble in the Uber and you click a section and it pre-populates a text. This is the kind of example from the Uber website. It says, so this is the pre-populated text. I'm taking a trip with Uber, black Toyota Camry. My current location is blah, 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 Los Angeles. My intended destination is one world way, Los Angeles. My emergency is. So then you'd write, you know, the Uber driver's drunk or whatever whatever Murder the emergency. Yeah, whatever the emergency is. So my thinking is because Bo's text contained a part of that. It was, I am taking a trip with Uber, great, and that was it. So I am thinking that Bo may have accidentally got into that section somehow and was trying to delete the text and like, you know, delete, 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 and he's accidentally sent it, which would, That's make, the worst. would make sense, especially if he was high, as people are now saying that he likely was. Um, so I feel like that could be an explanation for that and also why he didn't answer the two 911 calls, you know, that were called back to him. Yeah, that, you know, the panic that you feel when you like yeah. accidentally send or like call <laughs> when you're not supposed to. So I do feel like if Bo was really in trouble, even he could have just written my emergencies help or do you know what I mean? Like he, I feel like it shows that he was trying not to waste either, time deleting half yeah, the message, edit or delete the message. So I feel like that could be an explanation for that text. I do think Bo was going to see Joe on the day he vanished. I do think it was probably for a drug related reason. They did have mutual social media friends. My initial thought is that Bo probably overdosed at Joe's house and was dumped in the courtyard of that property. James Terry, who we mentioned earlier, who's been hired by the family, also believes that this is likely what happened. He said, I don't think after that Uber ride, Bowman was alive for more than another hour. I don't, and now how he died, I don't know, but I'm going to bet they're going to figure out now that, you, now that you have the body. I think he went into that house. I think he met with Joe Good, and I think he expired in that house with an overdose. So apparently, which I don't really quite understand this and what they're insinuating, but it says a water heater was apparently replaced in Joe's house around six months after Bo vanished. And James Terry said, the water heater is interesting to me because I talked to a lot of other detectives and they said if there's a smell in the house and they've ever called a plumbing company out and people think it's a broken water heater, but why would Joe be calling about the body that- a smell? Do you know what I mean? Like if, if she, I don't know. I just feel like that's a weird. Maybe it, other people lived in the house or something. Like it was like yeah. a shared. And that's the other thing. Like I have seen the house listing online. It looks like it is just a house, but then there's other things that say it was an apartment. So maybe it was kind it was like of split. split. Into yeah. So maybe it's something to do with that. But also would she have kept his body there that long? 
And do you know what? Maybe, and the thing is too, it's a very small, if the house that I'm looking at is her house, which I think it is, it's a very small lot. And I would say the yard and everything is 90% concrete, probably even more. Like unless she poured the concrete, there would be no way to really hide a body in that area for that long. But, you know, I guess strange things have happened. Maybe she found a way and eventually then dumped his remains at that abandoned lot. I wonder if there's cameras in the area, even though probably it's like too far gone now. But I just looked how far of a walk that would be. It's estimated to be a four minute walk. So I'm like, how could she have dumped his body there? Mm. I was wondering if maybe they did drugs at her house. Then he left, wandered off and tried. Maybe was like kind of freaking out or something happened or felt like he was overdosing and hid in this weird little like nook area yeah and then ended up passing away because it's not like it's like a city-ish area yeah it's absolutely like residential very populated very densely populated so and maybe that's why she feels smug being like i had nothing to do with it yeah and and i guess you know what if he was alive when he left her house that's kind of she might not know what might not have known so as we mentioned, Bo did have a backpack with him at the 7-Eleven. I think it had like his phone, it had his laptops, all that stuff in it. James Terry thinks that the fact the backpack was not found with Bo indicates that his body was disturbed before police were called. He said, I believe that backpack and that computer hold the key to what happened to him right after he died. If that backpack and computer were in Joe Good's house or if she had sold them or pawned them, there may be someone that knew Joe Good didn't even realize any of this, that, that knew Joe Good that didn't even realize any of this happened. He said, no one has found that computer, and I think that's the key. Someone in Santa Monica might have that computer and might not even realize that it belongs to this urban legend, and I think that breaks this case wide open. But I also personally think I'm not surprised that if he did have that backpack and he did die in that courtyard that someone just took it. Like, it's it's wide out there. Like, if someone came across a backpack filled with, you know, expensive stuff, I'm not surprised that it would have been taken. Even... No, it's like a little slummy spot. Clearly, people go to it because there's trash and graffiti and stuff there. And maybe because people could be like, well, why wasn't it under the mat with him? Like, why would anyone see the body? Maybe he felt like he was overdosing, took off the backpack and then was like pacing around or like went and crouched over in a different spot. Like, or maybe he just was left the backpack at her house. And I don't know. And the other thing. smoking gun too is that i know that just after bo was in the uber i feel like in the next hour or so some attempts were made to access his bank accounts and that the account was locked because whoever was trying to access them online didn't use the right password or pin code so that kind of might go along with this backpack being left unattended and someone trying to get in and get money from him um yeah i know that apparently he had some kind of shady friends who he would give money to and sometimes they had access to his account so that could also explain it but it is interesting timing considering he was never seen again yeah very mysterious so yeah i do think the two most likely are that he either overdosed at joe's and she somehow dumped him there or kept him at her house until she could remove his remains when they were kind of easier to move to not be so graphic or that he wandered from her house and died from an overdose yeah I know I've read that Bo's fiance thinks he may have been lured there for like murder. I just feel like Bo was in a why, yeah, and like like is someone really going to murder someone for a laptop? I guess maybe, but and lure lure them to their house to murder them. Yeah, wouldn't you lure them to somewhere random where it's not? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Like I just feel like Bo doesn't sound like was in a very good place at the time. Wasn't making rational decisions, and he was just in a low place. So I feel like it was likely to be drug related. His death. Yeah, and just 
what would someone even get from murdering him? So anyway, a very sad outcome, not probably an unexpected outcome, sadly, but um, now, especially now that we've learned a lot more about Bo and what was going on. I wonder if they'll ever solve it. Mm, hopefully. Like I know a lot of, or sometimes when they, it might, his death might just be ruled undetermined, which I don't even know if a loved one died, how you could ever be all right with that, just not ever knowing how they died. So yeah, hopefully very his family will get some answers. Will they even be able to tell us cause of death or anything? It depends it on what bones. it is. Like, you know, if he was shot, maybe because they might yeah. be, you know, but if it's drug related, I don't Probably know, not. maybe. Like, I feel sometimes not, especially if it was sounds like his remains were skeletal. Yeah. Like, if there's no tissue. I don't yeah. Know. Like, yeah. I don't know. And I do, I do think that Bo likely died that day or very soon after. I don't think that, like, I feel like he's been dead since November 30, 2021. Yeah, definitely. So I think that's it for Bo's case for now. We'll update you if there are any arrests made, um, which I find unlikely now, especially Joe is deceased as well. But if we do find out his cause of death, we'll keep you updated. Yeah, definitely. All right. So that is it for this episode. These two stories. If there's If there's any updates on either of them, we'll put in some sort of clip. I don't know if there will be. I feel like for Bo, there won't be. Maybe for Corey, but probably nothing major. And then always you can follow us on Instagram. We post updates there all the time as well. Um, our username is True Crime Society. We'll have a blog on this episode at truecrimesocietyblog.com. If you're listening on Spotify, make sure you're following us and you could answer whatever little questions we have on there. And whatever platform you're listening on, make sure you're following, subscribed, reviewing, all those things. You know the drill. Share with your friends. But that's it. We got another episode to record. so wrap this up <laughs> um thank you guys for listening stay safe out there peace out see ya